Memorial Care Health System, Excellence in Healthcare, presents Weekly Dose of Wellness. Here's your host, Deborah Howell. Hello and welcome to the show. I am Deborah Howell and today our guest is Dr. Don T. Bowie, a board-eligible urologist at Orange Coast Memorial Medical Center and with Orange County Urology Associates. Kidney cancer represents 3% of all adult cancers in the U.S., and it is the most fatal of common urological cancers. Dr. Bowie is here to discuss common symptoms and risk factors associated with this disease, as well as the latest in kidney-sparing treatment. Welcome, Dr. Bowie. Good morning, Deborah. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to have you. Can you tell us, in a nutshell, what is kidney cancer? Essentially, kidney cancer is sort of a catch-all phrase for um, any masses on the kidney. Generally, these masses are growths coming from different portions of the kidneys, um, but for the most part, they have a commonality in that they're almost always uh, surgically treated. Um, Mm -hmm. They're generally not treated with chemotherapy or radiation. Are these growths usually on the inside of the kidneys or the outside? It's variable. Um, Sometimes it's on the outside. Um, and sometimes on the inside, sometimes, um, for example, when taking a look at the kidney directly, you can't even tell it's there because it's so um, it's so hidden underneath the shell. Wow. Um, but that's part of the surgical challenge. Yeah. Uh, and when when they are that hidden, um, do they show up on scans? On a CAT scan, nothing hides from a CAT scan from the kidney. Okay. So uh, with a good CAT scan, with good MRI, you're able to get excellent detail uh, in a three dimension as far as how much the kidney's involved uh, with these masses. Mm-hmm. I see. And what are the different kinds of kidney cancers? Um, the different kind of kidney cancers, the most common one uh, in America is what they call clear cell, mm-hmm. um, and roughly 80% are uh, clear cell, and the other ones are papillary, chromophobe. Um, from a treatment perspective, it truly doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, really, the different long-term um, the long-term evaluation of the patient afterwards. I see. Okay. So what are some of the common symptoms you might have if, uh, if you're having a kidner, kidney cancer? I guess you'd call it an episode. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the problem with kidney cancers is that the vast majority of kidney cancers have no symptoms whatsoever. Mm. In fact, over 60 to 65% of uh, new diagnoses of kidney cancers in America are found incidentally which means that a patient comes in, sees a primary care physician, has some abdominal pain, um, some other vague symptoms, and they go off for an ultrasound or a CAT scan, and um, these masses are found. Um, you know, only about 5 to 10% of uh, kidney cancers in America now have symptoms, and generally those would be blood in the urine, mm-hmm. uh, flank pain, um, uh, night sweats, weight loss. Uh, but often, uh, if you do have symptoms, it's a symptom of advanced disease. I can't believe that. I mean, someday, you know, you have night sweats, you go in the next day, and wow, you have a diagnosis of kidney cancer. You would never normally just associate those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a good story where um, when I was a resident, uh, a patient came in, he, he was robbed at the gas station, he was stabbed. Mm. Um, so part of the trauma workup is you get a CAT scan. And incidentally, there was a, uh, a very large tumor in his kidney, and we ended up taking it out and he did fine. Um, but after discussion with the post-op, then he was reflecting upon this, and he was thinking, wow, you know, getting stabbed actually saved my life in the long run. And that's very true. That is ironic. <laughs> now, how does one get diagnosed with kidney disease, and when should someone seek treatment? Uh, again, the vast majority in America is, is, is found incidentally, um, on incidental CAT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds. 
and usually from the ER or the primary care physician, and they're referred over to a urologist uh, for um, for further information and treatment. I'm still uh, I'm trying to get my mind around, you know, no symptoms. How in the world would you know? Is this something that we should start getting screenings for? Unfortunately, um, screening doesn't necessarily make sense, only so much that um, the cost-to-benefit ratio of screening is not necessarily in the screening's favor. Um, I see. You know, screening uh, is a hot topic lately because of... Um, the economic issues that are, are you know, in, in headlines nowadays. Um, how many do you need to treat versus how many scans need to be done? I see. And scans themselves, if we scan everybody, isn't necessarily um, good anyways because there's radiation involved and sure. um, and things like that. So at this time, uh, like a, a global screening for everybody program isn't necessarily um, uh, uh, good. So listen to your body, and if you have any symptoms at all, talk to your doctor, and he would be the one to advise you whether or not you need this kind of screening. Absolutely. What are some of the advanced treatment options available now to save the kidney? Well, if you go back um, 10, 15 years, anybody with any sort of bump on the kidney would have the entire kidney removed. Mm -hmm. Um, We call it a radical nephrectomy. Um, And then afterwards, we've discovered that the entire kidney doesn't need to come out. We can only take a small portion of the kidney or just the tumor and have just good long-term uh, oncological or cancer outcomes. And so we started doing what we call a partial nephrectomy, which means only removing part of the kidney. Mm-hmm. The problem was, um, at that time, our technology wasn't sophisticated enough um, to do a mini- minimally invasive form of um, partial nephrectomies, right. which means that patients require a large open incision, um, you know, recovering the hospital, usually about a week. Um, and after that, uh, patients usually aren't back up to speed for three to six months. Um, with the advent of the robot, or the Da Vinci robot, uh, we're now able to do um, very aggressive partial nephrectomies and have all the benefits of minimally invasive surgery and yet all the benefits of a partial nephrectomy as well. That is awesome news for kidney cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, for as far as numbers go, uh, most of my patients are um, up and moving by the next day, eating. Mm. Uh, most of my patients go home within two days, and within three to four weeks is back to the normal daily lives. Absolutely uh, no incredible. Absolutely, with no sacrifice in long-term on- oncological outcomes. Um, and the difference we take between taking part of the kidney and taking the entire kidney is dramatic. Um, you know, there are a lot of good studies that show that patients have long-term improved survival uh, by taking part of the kidney in not just from an oncological perspective or cancer perspective, but improved heart disease, uh, imp- uh, less risk of uh, renal failure and dialysis mm-hmm. because sure. you're able to keep most of that kidney. Um, so by all metrics, um, a partial nephrectomy is the way to go. It almost reminds me of a, is it lo- lobectomy when you take part of the lung? Mm-hmm. And but you, you save and then, then the, the rest of the lung sort of compensates for the part that's lost. Absolutely, exactly. That's exactly um, uh, a great analogy, Deborah. And um, how recent is this development? They started doing partial nephrectomies, I would say, um, uh, less than a decade. Uh, I think they started dabbling it in the later 2000s, but really, it's really picked up in the last couple of years. Um, you know, robotics itself. 
Um, we started doing robots for prostates, for example, in 2000, 2001, and from there it's just been exponential growth in that field just because the outcomes uh, for the patients are so good. Take me once again through the process of if you're a patient, you come in, you're diagnosed, you're going to have the robotic surgery, you're going to have the da Vinci. Uh, give me the day in the life of the patient. Um, so, you know, for example, the patient uh, is referred to me with some sort of imaging, like a CAT scan or an ultrasound with a mass on it. Mm-hmm. And if it's appropriate for a partial nephrectomy, um, the surgery itself takes anywhere between two, two and a half hours, somewhere around there. Um, the incisions are generally about three incisions, three to four incisions. Mm-hmm. Um, the smallest one is about five millimeters in diameter. And the largest one is just big enough to get the tumor out, whatever size the tumor may be. Okay. Um, you know, recovery post-op process is relatively benign. Uh, most of my patients don't complain of too much, uh, too much discomfort. Um, uh, staying in bed for the first night. And the next morning, I expect my patients to be up walking around and starting to take clear broth and uh, start fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, by the second day, they're usually on a regular diet, up and moving around, and uh, home by then. What about exercise? How long do they need to wait? Uh, great question. Um, I expect my patients to be walking every day um, mm-hmm. during the post-op process. It's, not really, it's really the heavy lifting that I want them to avoid, um, and it's not until about four weeks that they're able to get back to their complete normal daily activities. And no break and the dancing. Reason for that is, the reason for that is incisions don't regain their full strength up until about um, four weeks out. Right. Um, So if you do any sort of heavy lifting, more than 10 pounds, you run the risk of injuring those incisions and giving yourself a hernia. After all that good work the doctors have done, just don't blow it. Just take it easy. You can get back to your step (laughs) class soon enough. No push-ups, no sit-ups, just for a little while. Oh, this is is wonderful news, Dr. Bowie. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um. Uh, you know, robotic surgery is, is pretty impressive, but uh, the key thing with robotic surgery is that it's just like any other tool. It's like, well, in my, the analogy that I tell my patients is like a very, uh, very expensive sports car. It's not about the car, it's about the driver. Right. Um, so all, um, all robotic surgeons are not made equal. Um, so it's very important to vet your surgeon out and make sure that he's qualified as far as numbers and um, training that he's capable of doing it. Okay, and I have one last question. What about diet? How can we treat our kidneys better? Oh, um, obesity and high blood pressure are two of the risk factors uh, for kidney cancer as well as smoking. Um, so as long as you have good, clean living, you know, your kidneys, if you take care of your kidneys, they'll take care of you. Um, you know, take care of yourself, exercise, low-salt diets, um, you know, low-fat diets, and um, the kidneys will treat you well. Eat your greens, and your kidneys will be good to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be on the show, Dr. Bui. Where can people go to get more information? Um, a good website is just um, uh, www.orangecountyurology.com. Okay. And from there, we have a lot of great links to different resources um, regarding kidney cancers, robotic surgeries, or any other urological needs. Thank you, Doctor, for all the good work you do and for being on the show today. Deborah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. For further information or to listen to a podcast of this show, please visit memorialcare.org. That's memorialcare.org. That's all this time. Uh, I am Deborah Howell. We will see you soon for another weekly dose of wellness brought to you by Memorial Care Health Systems. Have yourself a fantastic day and eat your greens. Hey.